0: Five, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Commit flip. Off.
1: Hello and welcome. Ooh, to SWAT Radio. <laughs> that's pretty pretty hot
2: in it? Yeah, hot
1: mic. Hey, better than uh, not being able to hear me, right? Well, that's true. Yeah, well, welcome to uh, SWAT radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you're listening today. I'm Taylor I, Johnson. I was about to say, I am Taylor Johnson. And if you would like to join our discussion, please call us at 1 844 777 SWAT. That's 1 844 777 7928. Or you can email us at ask at That's ask ask at dot com. Doug, what's going on in the news today? Well,
2: uh, I don't know if you saw in the news that Mikey Weinstein uh, or Weinstein, you know, people that have S T E I N, I don't want to offend y'all, but I can never figure out because sometimes people say Stein, sometimes people say Stein. Yeah. I it's like Caroline, Carolyn, you know, I mean, like,
1: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> and people get upset about that, Taylor, if you mispronounce it, right? But, Anyway, Mikey Weinstein, who hands up, heads up the Military Religious Freedom Foundation. Now that sounds like a good organization, right? Military Religious Freedom. Mm -hmm. Only problem is, um, uh, (laughs) he—I don't—I don't don't know. He's—he's not happy about putting wreaths on tombstones. Something people have done for thirty years because the veterans of families haven't consented to these Christian gang signs.
1: Well, he's also the <laughs> author of a book with God on our side, one man's war against an evangelical coup in America's military. Yeah. <laughs> Let I you mean, know a little bit about where he's he
2: is. From. He is. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, Weinstein said our view is that if you want to put a Christmas wreath on a veteran's grave, that's fine, but you've got to request it. So, Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of requests are going to go out. I don't think so. I, I, I dare say people really have a problem with somebody putting a wreath on their family's tomb. I mean, on their, on their loved one's tomb. I mean, is that really something you want to fight about? <laughs> I mean, you want to make a big deal about?
1: Did he uh, say what in particular about the wreath um, is so offensive?
2: i i don't know
1: um it's not like it's a cross
2: yeah i mean uh yeah and i mean and on most of the tomb markers they're crosses <laughs> a lot of them anyway mm-hmm. if you look at them you see them but uh anyway he just said the graves of christians and non-christians will be adorned with this hijacked from paganism symbol of christianity Hmm. Circular and made of evergreen to symbolize everlasting life through Jesus. Well, go Mikey. I'm glad he's putting that out there. <laughs> anyway, that's good, isn't it? Uh, hey, uh, you know, I, it, it's a great time of year. We had our SWAT Christmas party last night. Uh, I don't think you were there last year, were you, Taylor? Is this your first SWAT Christmas party to come to?
1: Mm-hmm. What would you think? It was cool. Yeah, and it was at the uh, the barracks down in uh, St. Augustine, so it was really cool to see you the history and stuff that they had there, but also, you know, just to see other SWAT guys and uh, catch up with people I haven't seen in a while. It was cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was uh, It was a lot of fun to get everybody together. And, uh, you know, I, I was moved to do something I have, have never done before, where I just read Scripture pretty much for the message, uh, the Christmas message from Genesis all the way through Revelation, just different passages of scripture and uh it it moved me as i was sharing it and uh i was it was just a god thing because it was kind of spontaneous i had one of the swat guys go hey can you send me the notes from that like uh, like and i don't i'm like i don't have notes i I just did it kind of spontaneously even though i thought about it in the morning i wasn't even sure i was going to do it and i did it and it was uh it just shows you the power of the word of god yeah. Just the spoken word of God. And I think sometimes we, um, we diminish that people. We live in an entertainment culture. Mm. And I remember, uh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, reading his history about him and he used to read his messages in monotone because yep. he did not want his personality to influence
1: anybody. Yeah, and, uh, his messages obviously had a lot to him though, because, uh, sinners in the hand of an angry guy well, or they know, left yeah. claw marks yeah. people
2: left fingernail markings in the pew benches from that yeah uh, that's that's crazy that's so anyway um you know um also five fbi officials this is a slight man the fbi just ain't what it used to be mm. you know I, I i used to be The guys that I served with, we had, we had good agents in this office and there, there's still a lot of good agents, but man, somewhere along the line, they've, they've compromised, I think in an effort to uh, get people in, I don't know. Um, but there, there are, they've gone downhill. They've had a lot of issues and five FBI officials solicited sex with prostitutes, um, while overseas. Um, and, uh, a fifth attempted to, to try to do that, which is, I mean, the FBI has policies, DOJ has policies and, uh, and the officials overseeing the investigation of the violation didn't do anything. And it's just, uh, they, they lied to the inspector general, which is a no, no, you don't do that. It, if, if once you lie to, uh, you're not talking about lying for a case, you know, like pretending to be somebody you're not mm-hmm. to, to get somebody who's really doing bad stuff. You're talking about people that are lying, uh, to protect themselves. You lose credibility at that point.
1: Well, I and, mean, yeah, you can never work in law enforcement really again, because if you're ever going to be put on the
2: stand you know, and now they're going to bring that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, um, I, I, it's just, it's just sad. Um, it's just sad We're, you know right now our our country is in desperate need of leadership yeah and i just pray that uh there are people out there i've encouraged um you know i, I gave away some awards last night to people in, in the swat christmas party and there's one young guy who's a, a teacher at a local college and i'm just really encouraged by him because he uh you know, he, he just is always the first person to sign up to go do something, to minister to a widow, mm. to uh, go help her move something, go build something, go do food. What needs do we have? I mean, and uh, and it encourages me that uh, there are younger leaders coming up like you and him and others, and, and um, I just pray that uh, we would keep discipling and mentoring people like that because this, I think our country's going down a dark road right now. And I don't, I, I still don't know that it's recoverable. I don't know. You know, some people have said we've hit a tipping point and mm-hmm. we, there, there may not be a turning back, but we seem to be okay with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: don't you think so?
1: Yeah. It is a, conf- a confusing time. I think, cause I, I tend to agree with you and, um, you know, I think we're headed to some dark dark days and I think you know in those those times got to work to bring about a revival and you know where we'll go after that is you know up to him um but yeah there's far too much uh, people or there's far too many people who say oh yeah this is kind of going on but are just uh content with their comforts mm-hmm. you know what I mean and um yeah I, I, this is something that's been going on for a while and I think there's a lot of people who said you know what? I'll take comfortable slavery over uh <laughs> you know dangerous freedom
2: yeah and um you know, the the, um, the people in this country have been misled. I mean, wait, let's just take the Jussie Smollett, whole, hmm. that whole thing. Let's just go there for a second. You know, there's been a meme going around um, that that says, our country is so racist that Jesse Smollett has to hire two Nigerians to come to pretend to be racist. Um, I mean, that, that really was a sick thing.
1: Oh, for him to do that? Yeah, Yeah.
2: what he did. Because it's stirring up something that we need to be healing. And I just think, I, I said this yesterday to some people, I think Satan has been given allowances to do more than he's been allowed to do in our country in a long time. And I think it's because people have just continued to turn their back on God. And in the scriptures, when you see them do that, God says, okay. yep, Okay. I'm gonna let it go,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so um,
1: yeah. I mean, if you look at this country, I mean, I, again, I, you got to go back to the abortion, uh, you know, mill that we've created and that's been allowed to exist for close to fifty years, and to think that you know we can have any sort of moral high ground to stand on is ridiculous. With when we allow that to happen, um, and, and if you go back, you know, to really where we were at um, and where it seemed like we were headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in the sixties kind of after the civil rights movement and it seemed like, okay, we're going to get past this and we're going to move forward. And, uh, we decided, and you know, even up until the eighties really, uh, you seemed like, okay, yeah, yeah. And in, in the nineties when I was born, uh, or I was born in 89, you know, up through that time. And then really recently, um, it seems like, yeah, that that's come back. And it's because we didn't put those things to bed, the, this ideology to bed, Uh, back when it first popped up its head and you know i I don't think god is uh going to um move until you know people fully repent and turn to him and at this point i mean i don't think we even realize how disgraceful our country's been in his eyes
2: now and again i go back to what i said earlier taylor i think that our country right now is content and 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 i would say specifically within the church Mm -hmm we've been okay because it's not really impacting me that much. Yeah. And so we don't see the mission drive to shine in the midst of darkness.
1: Well, and then there's also serpents, I would say, uh, or, you know, wolves in sheep clothing who are saying, no, this, this, uh, divisiveness is actually a good thing. This is a, uh, Oh, we you should said me
2: something the other day that basically people are treating LGBTQ issues like eating meat issues in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that that's that that'd be like treating adultery as well, you know what? Uh, that's just your take on that and we got to agree to disagree. I'm sorry. No. That goes against anything against God's design like that is that's not a conscience issue. Yeah. That is a violation of his design mm-hmm. and his will.
1: Amen. Yeah. All right, we are up against the break. We'll
0: be back in just a second. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned.
1: to SWAT radio SWAT stands for spiritual warriors advancing truth and if you are just joining us we are looking at acts chapter 11 verses 1 through 30 this week last not last week yesterday we looked at verses uh really 1 through 18 and which
2: was a repeat of chapter 10 already told twice in chapter 10 about the court it's really the Cornelius story um hey let me ask you a question taylor before we jump in today have you um before we went through this, had you ever really thought much about Cornelius being an important part of the, the church story?
1: Uh, no, I hadn't really thought much about what it meant for the people at that time that that would be so profound. Such, such a big thing?
2: Yeah. I hadn't either until I really, to be honest, I I hadn't really noticed that it was told three times mm. in a row like that. I just hadn't thought about it. You know yeah. how you can read through, and it's really amazing that uh, God chose to put it in there three times. And he did because we saw yesterday that he wanted to reveal his plan for his children, which was to be a chosen, unified people. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says we are one spirit, one body. In Galatians 3, Paul talks about um, us being uh, sons of Abraham because of our faith, not because of our bloodline. We tend to think, you know, I I'm, I don't know if you've ever done this. You've done the twenty three thing where you test your DNA to see oh, your uh-huh. your heritage. Have you done that? Mm-hmm. I wanted to have Jewishness in my heritage so bad, <laughs> and then I remember reading in the Bible where I read that verse, and it's like, it's not, it's not the bloodline that makes you chosen; it's the faith. And his people are, and he says that so clearly, Paul does in, in Galatians 3, verse 7. In fact, I'm going to read it because I just think we look at the Jewish people, with spe- we should love them. They, they are God's chosen people to be his messengers, but now we are those messengers. In verse 7, he says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham? Isn't that great? I mean, you don't need to do a DNA test. You just have to be a person of faith to be a son of Abraham, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, Exodus 19 says, to put God on display in a dark world. And we saw that yesterday. And Paul called us in Ephesians 4 to walk in a manner worthy, because we're one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, he wants us to to show the world our oneness when you think of a group, think give me an example, Taylor of one group out there in your mind when you think of them, you think they're tight, they are one tight unit. Does anybody pop in mind?
1: Mm, not not that like not off the top of my head no
2: well for me i think of maybe seal team 6 oh
1: i i you, you I know got you. what i'm saying yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah i'm thinking like when yeah. i think of a tight mm-hmm. unit uh you know marine recon detachment um,
1: delta force yeah,
2: yeah somebody like that and we are supposed to be tighter than that i mean literally the bond between believers between brothers and sisters in Christ should be the strongest bond that there is because the same spirit of God that's in you is in me. And so it doesn't matter what our skin color is. It doesn't matter our socioeconomic background. It doesn't matter what country we came from. It doesn't matter what language we speak. When I go to Russia or I go to uh, India or I go to the Philippines or I go to Cuba or to Spain, wherever, And I hear people praising God. Even though I don't understand the language, I praise God with them. I mean, I'm moved to participate. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why it's frustrating sometimes here in in America. Because we go to a worship service and I I see people. And literally, they, they look like people... Uh, from Florida looked when they were playing Alabama <laughs> the fans for Florida, if you could have seen a picture of the the um, the stands when Florida actually Florida played Alabama pretty good. Um, let me restate that Florida at the end of the year when they <laughs> were playing when they when when Florida was playing um,
1: they almost S- Sanford, this, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: these people were in the stands they were not happy. That's the way people look in church sometimes when we gather as believers and we're singing songs. And I get I get, we bring things into the body. I mean, what, you, know, you, you may have relational struggles. You may have something going on in your life, uh, a health issue. You go in there. But when you come together as a body, the focus is supposed to be, in spite of everything going on, God, we know you alone can give us the words of life. We know you alone can give us peace. We know you alone can encourage us. So we are here in obedience because you have given us life. That should be our mindset. And when we think of the cross, it should make everything else pale in comparison. When we think of the fact that we have been delivered from eternal death, it doesn't matter how magnanimous the problem is that we're dealing with. It pales in comparison to eternal damnation. It really does. And we don't think that way. That's why Paul wrote what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 4 when he says, these are light and momentary afflictions. And when he wrote that, you know what he said? He was talking about, uh, let's see, he had been beaten five times with 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was shipwrecked. He spent a day and night in the ocean. He was naked. He was cold. He went through that whole laundry list of things. Oh, but these are light and momentary afflictions. Have you ever had 39 lashes on your back? Mm-mm. He did it five times.
1: Yeah, with the cat of nine tails. Too,
2: yeah. Man. These are light and momentary afflictions. Does that humble you? It humbles me when I think about what we complain about, what we get upset about. And so I, th- I think about how God chose us to be a unified people to put him on display and I don't think we've done a very good job of it here in America. I see it much better demonstrated when I go to India or Nepal, other places. When do
1: you think, you know, because I think that you could argue that there was a time where America was definitely doing it. I mean, think about uh, the pilgrims being a city on a hill and that uh, intention. When do you think that that
2: Back shifted? when uh, Peter Marshall was around, you know, uh, uh, in the, the Senate. He was a chaplain for the Senate. Um i don't know where it got offline i th- i think that you know and you know we we talked a lot about critical race theory and i was talking to a a, a black brother of mine about you know and he said this back in the 60s and, and when really race relations was a terrible place in our country as overall wouldn't you agree yeah. i mean like uh, that time and thanks to gil for reminding me yesterday that um it was 68 that the uh black panthers got started but um anyway he said you know even though things were worse on the outside then i feel like within the black community we were tighter knit with god then we had we had we had more of a connection to God as a community then. And I just thought that was an interesting, uh, take, uh, um, I don't know. I, uh, I, I, just think that somewhere and maybe in the sixties or seventies, we started going away from teaching and we started getting to feeling. Mm. It's what you feel. You know, come, well, yeah. come by my, yard, my lord. you know. I don't know. Uh, I'm just thinking about that. Yeah,
1: I, I would. Uh, that that uh, feeling movement kind of probably started with the charismatics, which is a little bit before that. But in the 60s, there was obviously the counterculture um, mm-hmm. and a, a, a real turning away from, you know, the American founding and the American ideals. And what people don't realize now is those ideals were. Christian ideals, you know what I mean. So there was a, yeah, a real... country
2: was founded on Christian principles. Mm-hmm. Listen, you can say what you want about the flawed men that have been uh, the foundational fathers of this country. They were flawed. There's not been a man on earth who isn't flawed except Jesus. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer and a murderer. I mean, when you look at the people God's used, He's used flawed men. Mm. We treat some things as worse than others, but the truth is, Jesus said, if you hate a man then you murdered him already in your heart. If you lust after a woman, you're an adulterer. And so we're all flawed men and people throughout time, but, but the men who founded this country and wrote the Constitution that has been the longest-living document to really be the authority of a country, um, they put in place some good principles. And the church... Was used to be the place that people would go to mm-hmm. whenever there was a problem. They would gather in the church building. The whole city would come together, and usually the, the pastor, it, it wasn't like this church, that church, and another church. There was one church in a city, and that's what they would do. But now we've got all this segregation and these sex. And God wants us to be chosen and unified. That's really what we spent all day yesterday talking about on verses 1 through 18. Well, today we're going to go into verses 19 through uh, 26. And we're going to look at God's providence for his children because he sent people. There were people who were dispersed actually up to Antioch uh, through the uh, persecution, but they were only sharing with Jewish people. But God had unborn babes up there there were people who were his who had not yet been believing and even though these other believers weren't sharing God brought some people in that did share and uh we're going to see what happened as a result of that and also uh when Barnabas was sent so 19 through 26 if you want to take a glance Taylor's going to read it when we come back and we're going to look at that text.
1: All right. We will be back with more after the news. Excuse me. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking, and a special thanks to Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug, D-O-U-G at SWATradio.com. We'd also like to know, let you know that you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. At SWAT Radio Talk is the handle that is at SWAT Radio Talk, and you can download our SWAT app in the App Store. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned we'll be back with more after the news Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 30 this week. Uh, just before the break, we were rehashing what we talked about on Monday, uh, which is uh, verses 1 through 18. And now we're going to be getting into verses 19 through 26 for today. Talking, uh, sorry, sorry, yesterday we talked about the plan of his children. Today we'll be talking about the providence of his children and priority for his children.
2: Yeah, so go, go ahead and read. Verses nineteen, uh, Taylor through twenty-six. I don't know that we'll get all into the priority. Probably won't. I, actually, you know what? Just read nineteen through twenty-one. We'll just cover that, and then if people want to call in, we can nineteen through twenty-one. Providence, and I'll I'll knock out priority uh, in the proof of ownership tomorrow. That that'll flow ver- better together. Anyway, we'll just look at Providence right. uh, for His children. How God. Not only reveals his plan, but his providence, how he provides. And I want to talk about that uh, after you read just those three verses, verses 19, 20, and 21 of Acts chapter 11, if you're listening or just
1: tuning in. I had turned to Galatians and I was about to read that. I was like, this does not sound like the right stuff. All right. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia in Cyprus and Antioch, speaking speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyrus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord.
2: So here's what you got going on. So if if you were reading in Acts, and you read up through Acts 8, chapter 1, you could literally take acts 8 chapter 1 and then acts chapter 11 verse 19 go to that and mm. it would seem seamless it would it yeah. would look like it was just meant to be that way it's almost like acts chapter 8 2 through acts chapter 10 or 11 18 was just thrown in there to give back story almost yeah. like an interlude kind of story thing uh, about the Samaritans, about Saul's conversion and about Cornelius and the eunuch, they were all put in there. And uh, but it it it's really eight one is where Stephen has just died, and the Jews are being persecuted by this guy named Saul, and they spread out all over Israel. And when they spread, they went everywhere. Now the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. But Philip, remember, went to Samaria, and he's sharing the gospel there. And that's where uh, Peter uh, uh, goes and affirms that these people really are true believers, even though they're Samaritans. And then we see the eunuch in Philip, and then we see Saul's conversion, and then in chapter 10, Cornelius.
1: Hey, Doug. Yeah. So Samaritans, uh did they keep the law? Were they circumcised and all that or
2: Yes, they were half-breeds.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I, but they were still keeping They were the, compromised. Yeah, yeah, okay. I but, just didn't know, you know, to what extent they're comprom- how, Yeah, they
2: they were compromised in the sense that they just intermarried. Yeah. And and in in the people in Jerusalem's mind, they were tainted mm. because they worshiped idols and mm-hmm. they intermarried. But notice what it says in verse 19. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Now, Antioch was the third largest city in the world at that time. So we're talking a major metropolitan area of that time.
1: So it would have been behind Rome and... Um, and Alexandria. Bat- oh, not bat- Byzantium? No, wasn't no, it? no. It was <laughs>
2: Rome, Alexandria, and then Antioch. <laughs> Antioch of Syria. By the way, there's two Antiochs in the Bible, there's Antioch of Pisidia, which is a different city, and Antioch of Syria. This is Antioch of Syria. And so um, the first mention of Antioch in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 6, where we see Nicholas, the proselyte. He was a a, a, a convert to uh, Judaism, but so he was a Jew. So he really wasn't considered a, a Gentile, you know, not like... Right. Cornelius was. He was a proselyte, they said. So, he had gone all the way. He had been circumcised. That's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. he had become part of the Jewish people. In their view, if you were um, baptized as a Jew, and you were circumcised, you were now no longer ever considered a Gentile. You are a Jew. Yeah. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, I was just thinking from the like the Roman perspective, he probably would have seen you know, like a, like from the pagan perspective, he would have seemed pretty crazy. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: And so, and, and the, the church in Antioch was the first missionary launching church into foreign missions work when they sent Paul and Barnabas. And so it was a very important place and, and these people that were scattered because of the persecution, they were sharing the gospel, but they were going to Jews. Why? Because that's what the apostles did. And that's what Jesus had told them to do. Why, why do you think they went to the Jews first?
1: No. Uh, well, actually, it does. is it Jesus who says for the Jew first and then for the Gentile? Or is that, yeah, but yeah. do
2: you know why? No. All right. Think about it. They were looking for a Messiah.
1: Oh. The, they
2: knew the scriptures. Yeah. They knew the prophecies. Gentiles wouldn't have known the prophet. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have known what Isaiah said or Jeremiah or Ezekiel. They wouldn't have known about those prophecies. Um, And so um, if they did, they had no context. They didn't even know the law. I mean, they worshiped idols. They worshiped Zeus. They worshiped, you know, the Roman gods and idols. And so they went first to the Jews, and that's what the people were doing. They didn't know about Cornelius yet. They had been scattered because of the persecution. So they're up there, but it says in verse 20, there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. And the Hellenists were Greeks. They were Gentiles, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of them who believed turned to the Lord. I, I love that saying that the hand of the Lord was with them. It reminds me of an Exodus when... The uh, Moses was doing the miracles and the and the uh, all the the magicians and stuff for Pharaoh were imitating them. But there came a point where they couldn't imitate him anymore. And they said, what? Surely this is the finger of Mm. God, the hand of God. I want the hand of God with me. It was the hand of God that defeated one hundred and twenty thousand people for Gideon. It was the hand of God that wiped out one hundred and eighty thousand people It was a hand of God that when the northern kingdom full of idol worshipers and people that were rebelling against God took 800,000 against 400,000 in the south, that God came in and the hand of God killed half a million people to deliver his people. That's the hand of God. And now the hand of God is delivering these people from Gentile pagan worship into the kingdom. Jesus says unless a man is born again he cannot enter the kingdom you have to be born again so all these people who say well you people who believe in sovereignty of god that god wrote the name before the beginning of time he wrote it because he knew they were going to choose no cuz if he knew they were going to choose they still are making they're still having they have no righteousness on their own Paul says we there's no one righteous nobody would choose god Not one person on the earth, save Jesus, would choose to be in relationship with God. It is a work of grace. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is the mechanism, but it's the grace of God that writes your name in the Lamb's book of life before you ever did anything. Before the foundation of the world, before you were a thought in your mom and dad's eyes, he put your name down. And because of that, it's an act of grace. And he gives us the faith to even appropriate it. It's such, a, it's such a mind-blowing thing for us, we can't understand it. And so that's God's providence that you got these people that don't preach to them. But guess what? There's two people from Cyprus and Cyrene, or some of them. It doesn't say two. It says some of them. Cyprus and Cyrene were pagan areas. They were Gentile areas. So what do you think about yeah. growing up in a Gentile area? You think they would have been sensitive to the fact that these people were like them? Even though they worshiped idols, they still saw them. You know, I tell people all the time, it's hard to be prejudiced against somebody who you're friends with. Yeah, If you grow up around somebody and you see somebody and you get to know them, it's hard to be prejudiced against them the way that the people in Jerusalem saying, hey, Peter, why are you going to eat with these people? And so... These people from Cyprus and Cyrene, they came to Antioch and they spoke the gospel. They preached, it said, Caruso. It means they boldly proclaimed with urgency, and a lot of them believed. And and that is a great thing. That's God's providence. And I love how he says, Luke says, they turn to the Lord. It made me think of 1 Thessalonians 1, 9, where Paul says, they turn from idols to serve the living God. And that's what these people did. And if you're listening today, you don't turn to God to get a ticket stamp to heaven. You don't turn to God to get on the train that's taking you to heaven. You turn to God to be in the right relationship with him. And that relationship is a dependent relationship where you exist to serve him. He owns you, the Bible says. He bought you. When Christ died on that cross, he adopted you into his family, and you are his child. And we serve him. We serve a great and living God. Every man and woman in the Bible that had a good relationship with God, that consider themselves close to God, you know what they referred to themselves as? Servants of the most high God. We've lost that. We we, we treat God like he serves us today. Mm-hmm. But we serve him. If God wants you to do something you do it. I was talking to a guy today on the phone and he said, well, I was going to do this, but I really sensed God want me to do that. And I had to, because <laughs> I thought that's what he wanted. And so I, I did it just because I thought that's what he wanted. And so, um, God calls us to serve him. And we see in what we covered here in 19 through 21, his providence for his children. You don't have to worry. You, you know, if, if your friend over there lets you down, God won't. God has, don't be surprised when we come back, i want to pick up on this a little bit and we're we'll welcome your calls as well.
1: All right. So stick with us. We will be back with more after the break. You are listening to SWAT radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: If you'd like to contact SWAT radio, the toll free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls.
3: the night. (laughs)
1: Welcome back to SWAT Radio. We are looking at Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 30. If you are just joining us, uh, we have talked a little bit about the plan for his children, which is really what we talked about yesterday, but we uh, refreshed on that. And then today, looking at the providence for his children. If you have any questions or would like to join the discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928, or you can email us at ask at SWATRadio.com. That's ask, a s k. At SWAT
2: Hey, I, I wanted to go back, Taylor, and people can call in. We're, we're happy for you to call in um, about anything we're talking about in here and um, and talk, uh, talk through some of this stuff. But one of the things that people teach, and I've heard people teach this before, and it's simply not true, is that um, if, let's say, um, Steve is an unbeliever, And you see Steve every day, but you don't share the gospel with him, even though you are a believer. Well, if Steve goes to hell, it's your fault. People actually teach that, that your disobedience condemns him to hell, which is Hmm. false. Hmm. God doesn't send somebody to hell because somebody else disobeys him. People, People go to hell because they reject messiah now are you are you disciplined for your disobedience yes if you're a believer uh i believe will steve's blood be on your hands yes i think that will be and maybe that's what they're trying to say because uh they get that from ezekiel where you know um god says hey if you tell them and they still reject then the blood's on them but if you don't tell them uh, and they continue to reject and the blood's on you. And I think that may be where people get it, but they take it too far. You know, yes, you're responsible to share the gospel with people, but their eternal destiny is not wrapped up in your obedience. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that before?
1: Um, yeah, I, I've heard. I mean, I've heard both people make both, you know, kind of cl- arguments. Um, I have heard people say that, you know, that's on you. Um but I, I don't know if I've heard him say it so strongly as, you know, uh, it's your fault that they're going to hell. <laughs> yeah, you know I've heard I mean? people say that before. Yeah, I, I, haven't heard, I have heard the, the, the verse in Isaiah, right? That's what you said. Um, yes, no, no, Ezekiel. Yeah, Ezekiel, sorry. Um, I have heard that, um, but not um, that they, they'd say, yeah, that basically it's your fault. That would be um, kind of, in my mind, undermining the providence of God, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think,
2: <laughs> yeah. So, if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world, at some point you will respond. It may be like the thief on the cross in the very last moments of your life. Um, and I, 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 I do think, uh, I, th- I think you we're going to give an account for our life, and He gives people the the chance to respond early, but you will respond. So. Uh, I just, uh, I, I think I think to, to put that kind of, I think people use that to motivate people sometimes, to, right. it, but it's a bad motivator to tell them that. Yeah, and
1: I mean, obviously, there's going to be consequences, like you said, for um, for your inaction, for your, your lack of faith, for your disobedience, um, but to think that, you know, God is in some way hampered by if you d- decide to go do something or not. I mean, I think uh, Esther, um, where... Uh, mordecai tells her that you know for such a time as this you were placed on the earth but if you don't do um what you're supposed to god will raise someone else up and i think that's more consistent with uh his nature
2: yes so that's the whole point of this text too uh what that i was covering he says but there were some of them who on coming to antioch spoke it says these people spoke to no one but jews then god says okay I've got these other people from Cyprus and Cyrene and we're going to see tomorrow another Cyprian, a guy from Cyprus, named Barnabas, was dispatched by Jerusalem to go up to Antioch to minister to these people. Why did he get picked? Well, he was from Cyprus and he grew up around pagans. And so who better to speak into their life than a guy who knew their culture? Right. Uh, I think sometimes... When, like, when I was going to Russia, you you get people, there's a lot of cultural differences, and if you don't understand those, you can get in trouble real quick. Uh, I'll give you one easy one. You know, Americans, uh, we say, well, listen, you know, if you're ever in America, come see me. People say that. You say that to a Russian, they will be knocking on your door when they come to America. You can rest assured and you're like, whoa! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I I, I was. Uh, you gotta call me. Yeah, Not, yeah. In their mind, if they invite you or you invite them, it's like it's already happened. Hmm. But we say that, you know, like, hey, you know, come see me sometime. We'll just throw that phrase out, trying to be nice, because we say things that we're just saying as a nice thing, but mm-hmm. they don't. We don't literally mean come see me. Can you imagine what would happen if people started doing that? I mean, we say all we people we, stop saying I, it. I know. <laughs> yeah, they will. But do you know, I mean, think back in your own life. I know we say those kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I remember a story that, you know, I was told when I was young, growing up, my grandpa went to Brazil and he was going around everywhere giving the okay. I think it was the okay symbol. And <laughs> down there that mean something else it was either that or the thumbs up and he was going around doing that to everybody and someone had to come and be hey don't don't do that don't here. do that that's yeah.
2: not a good thing yeah. well um another thing is in america usually uh probably unless you're in new york you walk around and you say hi to everybody yeah, yeah. you know mm-hmm. you do that over in russia people look at you like okay what's wrong with them are they trying to sell me something or are they trying to rip me off what why huh. are they doing that you know so there's cultural things and in, in barnabas was very familiar with the Cyprian culture and the Antioch culture. And so they dispersed him to go up there.
1: Well, so. isn't that something uh, uh, in missions work, right? Like that a missionary sent out and it's generally, you know, they're effective in getting a few people, but it's those people and a lot of times when you see like big revivals in other countries that are really um, able to uh, reach more people because they're familiar with them.
2: Yes. Well, the nationals are the people that yeah, you yeah. try to reach. Yeah. They, a lot of times, that's why we train people in in India for them to go out. You know, mm-hmm. we train uh, people over there, and um, they um, they do the training. Like Adawa, our brother in India, he tra- you know we come over and we'll teach, but they do a lot of the evangelism and go out and actually do it. Why? Because they know the nuances of the culture. Yeah. They know the like how people respond. And I remember we went in one place, and uh, we, we had some Western people there, and we were doing an outreach, and this guy had shared the gospel, this Western guy, and 40 people raised their hand. There were only 40 people there. Every one of them raised their hand to trust Christ. Well, he came back feeling awesome until we told him, well, everybody does that. Like, they don't want to offend you. Mm-hmm. So they they just if you ask them to do something, they're going to do it because they want to please you. They want to mm. make you feel welcome. And they feel like doing what you ask them to do is, is the thing. Mm. But they, but if you went back to those people the next day and asked them, what does it mean to follow Jesus? They have no idea. They just all raise their hand. Cause he said, if you want to do that tonight, you know, mm-hmm. you got to make sure that you understand the culture. Do you understand the people? And, and when, when we have people that are disobedient or are not being the ones to use, we don't have to fear, you know, I know this for a lot of people, they feel like, man, if if I could just get this person to speak to my son or my daughter, if I could just get this person to speak to my mom or my dad, if I could just get this person to to share with my sister or my brother, I know that God would use them because they're so gifted at this or so we start thinking that it has to be this person, and you know god God is sovereign, and we just we the best thing we can do for people is pray for him first of all and understand that he's sovereign and his providence is going to reach people if other people are disobedient. If God brings people around somebody and, and they and they say, you know what, I'm just too busy and I'm not they're not gonna let this person suffer uh eternal damnation because of my disobedience. He's gonna bring somebody else in there. Uh and so that that's really his providence and we see that and and tomorrow we're gonna see his priority for his children like Once this providence of God is evident and God does bring people into the kingdom, what do they do? Especially these Gentiles. How do the Gentiles, how do we train them? What do we do with them? Because you're talking about people that, I mean, most Jewish kids memorize the Torah by age eight. Mm. And and most of it. And, And so you got pagans that have no Bible knowledge. So what do we do with them? We're going to see that tomorrow when we look at what barnabas says to him and we're going to see how that applies in our own life
1: so well yeah you're talking about uh most eight-year-old jewish kids can recite the torah i'm like oh that's convicting a little bit so <laughs> you definitely uh 80
2: they could quote 80 percent of the torah taylor i mean by as this crazy isn't it
1: yeah i mean that that hits me as far as personally like where i'm at and and what i've uh, memorized in in the Bible that that 's convicting, but also it makes me think you know as an educator and stuff like dude the, what we 're demanding for our kids is not anywhere near enough of what they 're
0: capable of no, you know? no,
2: uh, we we don 't demand uh, of them more than we should i mean we our kids are capable of so much more mm-hmm. than we um, we give them credit for. we could get them to start memorizing as young as four. You know, really, start teaching them Bible verses young. Teach your grandchildren Bible verses and uh, go over some memory verses with them. All right. Hey, uh, so uh, Kevin Sorbo on Thursday. You will be out tomorrow. I'll have David Gray in here. You'll be back on Friday with your dad, Yep. Anthony Johnson of Acacia Counseling, right?
1: Yep, yep. So make sure you uh, stay tuned and tune in. Uh, the next few days. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio, and you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more SWAT Radio. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you
0: have a great day. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety,